Hey guys, this is Pastor Kyle here alongside Pastor Bailey. Grateful that you guys have tuned in to our podcast. We trust that what you're about to hear will be beneficial for your day, and we're grateful that you've stopped by to hear what the Lord is doing in Milledgeville. All right, everyone, welcome. We do not have a mic tonight, so I will have to do this cool projecting thing, and we'll see how that works. Appreciate it, man. Um, Kyle's going to be in the back the whole time yelling just randomly if we need it, so... Anyways, welcome everybody to Full Accord Ministry. We are the college outreach of the Branch Church Milledgeville. I, we could clap for that. I mean, that, that has me excited. Let's go. Um, and so if you're new with us tonight, I definitely want to say thank you for joining us tonight. Um, we're really, really, really glad you are here. Um, if you've been with us before, tonight's going to be a little bit quicker and, and sweeter and to the point, right? Um, we don't have Kyle Rutherford wherever, back there. My, he, he's still here, he's still around, and he's still doing, you know, some interesting things, just not telling us some interesting stories. But, yeah, that guy, you should talk to him if you don't know him. But, again, thank you everyone for being here tonight. Um, and so, yeah, we're just going to get right on into it. Um, tonight... The topic that I really felt pressed on my heart to talk about with you guys was joy. Um, Where is joy found? That is our first question, Ross. If you want to smack that thing on up, that's it. Um, So yeah, where is joy found? And and I I talk about joy, I bring it up already, and I'm I'm not going to play ignorant about it. Um, as As I mention this topic... I I am very, very well aware that there are some of you in the room tonight who cringe at the word, and and maybe for a few different reasons. Um, You you could already also be ready to just check out, right? You you think to yourself, you know what I'm about to say. You know that I'm only up here to tell you about some really emotional high joy that allows you to go put a smile on your face and go throughout your day, right? Some of you may be already thinking that. Um... And you may even be saying to yourself, well, well, Alex, like, yeah, of course, you know, that is kind of how I'm feeling. Um, I, I feel like joy is a topic that, that's really easy for you to say right now. Um, if only you knew what I'm coming in on tonight. If only you knew what I've just experienced. And, and, and it could be anything. Fill in the blank, right? And, and maybe for some of us, you find yourself right now in a tough season of life. Maybe things lately just haven't been going your way, right? Life can sometimes feel like just one gut punch after another. We experience breakups. We experience family dramas, right? Maybe it's something to do with your car, a car breakdown, or a car accident. Um, whatever it may be, because of it, you don't wake up excited for tomorrow. You didn't wake up excited for today either. And maybe, maybe it's something more serious than that. Maybe growing up, or even recently, you've dealt with some type of traumatic experience. Maybe, maybe you haven't yet understood how to even handle it. Uh, there's this constant pain in your chest and in your mind, and it's not leaving you alone either. And you don't know what to do. Maybe it's now sent you into some deep depression. You try your best to cope with it too. You really try. But maybe some of you in this room tonight, as you do, try to cope with these things. You turn to things like drinking 
or, or to some type of stimulant. Be because the high, even though it's just for a short while, the high, it, it, get, it lets you get away. And maybe, maybe these things are no longer working for you. Maybe you're coming into this room tonight after a week of no sleep, a week of being kept up and haunted about this idea, the, these thoughts that there's no reason for you to be here anymore. Right? Maybe all week you've been haunted by this idea of seriously ending it all. And maybe, maybe those are thoughts that you really never saw yourself contemplating, and then here we are. Maybe, maybe it's loss. We're coming off a holiday season where joy is, is, is plastered everywhere, right? Joy, laughter, and, and family. And I'm well aware that there are those of us in this room tonight who have experienced some really tough loss recently. And in a holiday season that is supposed to be so full of joy, it just feels empty. It feels dark. You miss someone. And you see, no matter where you fall on this spectrum tonight, I want to share with you where true joy is found. Not joy, which stands as some temporary emotional high, but joy that bears all circumstances and allows you to have a reason to get out of bed every single morning. Please join me in prayer. Lord, tonight we just come to you first and foremost, thankful for you. God, I pray that tonight, as I come up here, as I speak to those in the room, Lord, that you would be the one speaking to their hearts, God. That as I come to them and I try to share them about you, God, I pray, Lord, that they wouldn't hear my words, but they would hear your words, God, that as, as you can cut to the hearts of them and not myself, Lord, I pray that that be the case tonight. Lord, I pray for those who come into this room lost, God. Those who come into this room who do not know you. Those who come into this room with no real feeling of joy. Those who do not even have this joy, God. I pray for them. I pray that tonight that you would speak to them, God. That you would speak to them. That you would show them where true joy is found. And I ask these things in your holy son's name, Lord. In Jesus Christ's holy, holy name I pray. Amen. So if you have your Bibles tonight, please open them up to Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. And if you don't have your Bible with you, that is a-okay. All the verses will be on the screen behind me. And I, I did want to mention this as well. If there's, if there's any of you in this room tonight who doesn't even have a Bible and you are interested in reading God's Word, then please talk to me. We have our two pastors in the back. They'd love to help you out as well. Like, please, if that's the case, let us know. But to give us some context of why we will be specifically looking at this one verse tonight is both the man who wrote it and the church that he was writing it to. And I think to understand exactly what I'm talking about, let's go ahead and read the verse. Again, it's Philippians 4, verse 4, and it says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. This is Paul, a man who is writing this letter to this church from prison. A man who in Acts 9, 
as, as the Lord was sending Ananias to, to go and find this man whom the Lord had just saved. And keep in mind this, a man who spent his life persecuting Christians, and I don't mean just chasing them down, I mean literally pulling them out of their houses, throwing them in jail, killing some. We read in Acts 8, right before Paul's conversion, that he oversaw the death of Stephen. He was the first martyr in the Bible. Saul killed Christians, Right? And, he, and, and after being saved, like I said, in Acts 9, the Lord shows himself to Paul, and he tells, him, he tells Ananias, like I said, who was on his way to get him, this. He says, he will suffer for my name's sake. And so this man that I'm talking about, writing this letter, he's writing it from prison. And the church of Philippi, whom he's writing it to, was also a mess. They were, they were in a time where there were, were great divisions rising up within the church, there were false teachers uh, coming up and, and leading others astray. And while all of this is happening, again, Paul commands them with rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. If you're at all taking notes tonight, if you're writing anything down, circle that, please. Underline it, something. Rejoice in the Lord. And some of you may be asking yourselves this question already, and it's, it's, it's okay, but... What does that mean, right? What, is it, what does it mean to rejoice in the Lord? How is that even possible? And hear me say this. If you truly knew, even for a second, exactly what the Lord has done for you, then you would have enough joy to carry you for a lifetime. And if you can, if you can rejoice in the Lord because He has saved your soul, you can rejoice for eternity. Even if it were just a quick glimpse, a quick understanding of, of what it meant when Jesus went up on the cross, bearing all sin, bearing my sin, bearing the sins of those who are His children in this room tonight, despite knowing no sin. If only for a split second you could, you could just grasp what that meant, then you would have a joy, a peace, an assurance that could carry you through every single day for eternity. I've used this illustration before, and I, I use it again tonight because it's dear to me. Um, it, it's a memory I share with my father. Um, so my dad, growing up, my dad's really into fixing up old cars, uh, specifically Volkswagen Beetles. And um, as a kid, I remember one time we went to this, this car graveyard, if you will. Um, it, it was this old dump where you could go in. It was just cars. And they would have all these old busted cars lined up, some even piled on top of others. And what you could do is you could go into these, these junkyards and go into the cars and actually take parts off of them and buy them from the junkyard for really cheap. And, and so imagine that, right? A car graveyard. And, uh, like, and I don't mean graveyard as in, as in these are just old, cool, like, 60s cars that everyone wants to look at. I mean, like, these cars were destroyed. They were busted up. Like they, some of them were in mud. The interior was all destroyed. Um, no, no, no chance of ever being on the road ever again. And I wanted to also be known tonight that I work at a dealership, a Nissan dealership here in Milledgeville, and I'm around cars a lot. Um, I don't sell cars myself, but it is my job to clean them. It's my job to to make sure they stay clean, to take pictures of them, because I, it is my job to, to put them on the internet. It, essentially, make them make 
like make them look good enough for people to look at them and potentially buy them. And, and so I'm no car buying guru, right? But when we go to look at cars to buy, we don't go to a junkyard, do we? We, we go to dealerships. We go where the cars actually work. We buy the ones that look nice, right? Like even, even if you're not shopping with a lot of money, you're still trying to get the best bang for your buck with what you're getting, right? You're still looking for what looks good, what, what's in good shape. But I want to ask a question tonight. How do you think the God of the universe sees you? How do you think the God of the universe sees you? And, and I'm afraid that I just asked the question that some of you in this room tonight may have the wrong answer and think that you're right. Or, on the other end, some of you in this room tonight have the right answer and you don't know the gospel. We are sinners. We have all sinned. I'm about to do some jumping around in Scripture, so don't try to catch up with me by flipping. They're going to be on the screen behind me. But pay attention, please. Starting off in 2 Chronicles chapter 6, verse 36, the Lord writes in His Word, There is no one who does not sin. Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 9, verse 3, Also, the hearts of the children of man are full of evil, and madness is in their hearts while they live, and after that they go to the dead. Again in Romans Chapter 7, verse 18. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. In Genesis, chapter 6, verse 5. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. You want to do one more? Let's look at Isaiah, chapter 64, verse 6. We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. Now, polluted garment's interesting here because in the original Hebrew um, text, that could be translated as menstrual rags. Menstrual rags, that's pretty disgusting, right? That, that is our most righteous deed before a perfect God is compared to a menstrual rag. You see, if you need more Bible verses telling you that you are sinful, please go read the Bible. Please. And I want you guys to listen closely tonight, for I'm not trying to just scare us in this room, but we must understand God's holiness. We read throughout Scripture that God is perfect. He is holy. Because of this, Things that are not perfect cannot be in His presence for a second, let alone for eternity. And if you've, if you've talked to me before, you've certainly heard me say this, because I think we have a very clear depiction from nature of, of what God's holiness to us looks like. Consider the Son of the universe. I'm sure we've, some of us in this room have heard this before. That's fine. Consider the Son of the universe. We understand that because of the heat and the radiation and really X, Y, Z, that the sun gives off, as, as things in our solar system near the sun and approach the sun, what happens to them? They melt. They disintegrate. You see, with God, anything living that is not perfect 
or holy dies in his presence. Historically, as we read this in the Bible, the high priest would actually enter into the temple and they would have to have these, these ropes tied around their ankles and they'd have to have these bells attached to their robes. And the reason for this was if they went into the Lord's presence in the temple, if they had not properly followed the sacraments that he told them to, if they had not properly cleansed themselves, they would literally go in into the temple and drop dead in his presence. And of course, those on the outside couldn't go in, so they would literally drag them out. That happened. That's a thing. And again, consider perfection. Think of a white sheet of paper. This is the best thing I could come up with off the top of my head. Consider a white sheet of paper, right? Like, think about it. A copy sheet of paper like you print stuff with. It's white. It's cool. It's clean. The moment you take a pen and you mark it, I mean, even just a little, little dot, it's not perfect anymore, right? It's no longer a clean slate of paper. You see, do we not understand that the moment you sin, you are no longer perfect and holy before God? In fact, the moment you sin, you are separated from God for eternity. And I, and I hope you're, you're sitting there as I'm saying this. I, again, the moment you sin, you're separated from God for eternity. I hope you're sitting there and you're thinking about this. And you're asking yourself, where is the joy in this? You see, my friend, joy is found in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hear me say that tonight. Joy is found in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God did not send Jesus, His Son, into the world in order to purchase those of us who had everything put together. He did not send Jesus into the world to save those of us who looked nice. He didn't come into the world to save the, the morally upright or, or the do-gooders. Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Those who realized that they desperately needed Him. Those who recognize that they have no hope apart from him. Let's look at Mark 2, verse 17. And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. You see, God did not choose to save us because of how well we looked on the outside similar to the way that we shop for cars. Don't we understand that? Jesus went to the dump. He went to the junkyard. He looked at the car that was absolutely destroyed. It had no life. It had no hope of ever returning to the road again. He pulled it out of the mud, despite its disgusting interior, its awful paint job, despite it not even having an engine. You see, he pulled it up out of the ground, and he paid full price for it. This is how we can have joy in the Lord. If we could truly understand tonight what the weight of one single sin against a perfect and holy God would be, we would be devastated. We would despair in a way like we have never experienced. We, if we truly understood this, we would spend every waking moment of our lives just being crushed by this, we would understand that we have no hope. But see, again, 
if you truly knew, even for a second, what the Lord has done for you, then you would have enough joy to carry you through a lifetime. And if you can rejoice because He saved your soul, you can rejoice for eternity. This is exactly what Paul means when he writes the second part of this single verse. As it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Always. When we understand the Gospel, when we understand even a little bit of what Jesus has done for His children, when we understand that it was something that you, neither I, could ever do or earn, we could never save ourselves, we could never avoid sin, yet Christ, despite who His his sons and daughters are, despite all that they have done, despite all that they will ever do, paid for their sins. Look at what Paul writes in his letter to the Romans. In Romans 5, we're going to look at verses 6-11. through For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For no one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall shall we be saved by His life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Friends in this room tonight, if we could just understand this love that is Jesus' sacrifice, we could understand that this far outweighs any circumstance you and I can even think of. Let's go back to the beginning of the night, right? The hard times, the loss, the pain, depression. I'm not, I'm not up here writing those things off. I'm not up here telling you that you should feel bad for feeling that way. I'm not above those things. I struggle with them too. But I'm here telling you tonight that if we could understand what Christ has done on the cross, that would far outweigh any single one of those things. Look at what Paul writes later in this same letter. As this has been a verse of Scripture that that has really, really been just key to me. Romans 8. We're going to read verses 31 through 38. What then shall we say to these things? And I want to to stop there right now because, like I've said, when he says these things, he's referring to sufferings that he wrote in verse 18 of this same chapter. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, was raised. Who is at the right hand of God. Who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? 
Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in, in Christ Jesus our Lord. Man, how can we read that tonight and not just feel like it's a battle cry? Nothing can stand in the way of the source of joy. It's far greater than anything that I can think of right now. What then shall we say to these things? Like I said, this is Paul writing this. A man who was literally stoned. A man who was literally lived with nothing. He was a professional prisoner, as they call him, right? He wrote this from prison, Philippians. Right? We can read in Acts all kinds of just ridiculous stuff that he went through. And not only is it incredible to me that he charges others to rejoice, but he turns around and says, what then shall we say to these things? Can we see that? You see, no amount of suffering, no amount of pain, no amount of loss, no amount of depression, no amount of suicidal thoughts, of insecurities, of anxiety, of tough seasons of life, not even death itself can stand in the way of joy for the Christ follower. How is this possible? Because the Christ follower knows the sins in their lives. The Christ follower knows the weight of sin. They know that on their own, apart from Christ, they were completely dead. They know that they had no hope. But then, after understanding these things that would cause utter despair, the Christ follower calls to mind the work of the cross, the way God shows His love by saving them despite them, and not at all because of anything they did to earn it. And I want to ask tonight, is this you? Is this you? Do you know the sin in your life? Do you know the weight of sin? Do you know that on your own, apart from Christ, you are completely dead? And apart from Christ, you have no hope? Kyle Worthy, our pastor, showed me, showed me this verse in Habakkuk, and I think it, it perfectly encompasses joy in all circumstances. And so whether or not you're taking notes tonight, I really do ask that you write down this verse, please. Habakkuk 3, verses 17 and 18. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Is that us tonight? Let's continue in Philippians 4. Back to 4, verse 4, in the next part. 
Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say. Again, I will say. As clearly stated here, Paul is telling them, the Philippians, that their greatest need is to rejoice in the Lord. And so tonight, I want to ask you guys in the room, what is your greatest need in your pursuit of joy? What is your greatest need in your pursuit of joy? When writing this and preparing for tonight, I, I took the hard task of going on Google and typing in, what is joy? And I found this definition on the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, and it says this. It says, joy, the emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. And when, when reading this definition and thinking it through, I found it really, really interesting. Um, really just because of what it, what it requires, what it, what it demands, right? It's such a, a, a worldly definition of joy. And, and I'm not trying to be this, this overly conservative Christian, if you will, that says, oh, that's worldly. No, let's look, at the, let's look at that definition. Look at what it demands. Well-being, success, good fortune, and possession. These are, these are all things of the world, right? And, and as we go out on campus, as we go out to our jobs, and anywhere, this is what we are told to pursue, right? We live in America where we have the coined phrase, the American dream, right? That if we all just work hard enough and... I guess be hardworking, uh, that kind of says the same thing, whatever. You can do what you want and accomplish your dreams, right? We've heard that before. And, and, and really, that's kind of why we're here today, right? I mean, we come to school, we become educated in order that we may reach some, some success and get well-paying jobs, right? I mean, why else would anyone willingly go through four semesters of Spanish, like, let's be real. Or, or O-Kim, I've heard. I've heard B-Stat's a lot of fun, too. So I'm praying. But why do we do these things? Seriously, do we do, we do them for fun? I, I hate Spanish. I'll, I'll say it. I cannot stand it. I'm sorry if it's something that you're passionate about. I don't mean to come up here and say this. I, it's just not for me. It's not for me, all right? It's not for me. But, but think about it, guys. Like, why, why, do we, why do we do this? Because we want to be 20 years old and broke? Like, is that why we want to do this? That's my life right now, too. N no, we, that is not why we, we come here and do these things. It's because we seek these objects listed by that website that tell us how we are to obtain joy and live joyful lives, right? And seriously, we go through so much to obtain money so much to obtain success, possessions, and even relationships because from the jump we are told that these things are what satisfy. They're what fulfill us. And through these things we obtain joy. Right? That's what the world tells us. But what if, what if these things are not at all meant to satisfy? What if? Because I, I, I have to ask, what amount of money, what amount of possessions or success or what relationship is going to keep a single one of us in this room tonight from death? How much? Does anyone, does anyone have an amount? 
I was hoping someone would say something so I just say, it's not, um, but that didn't happen. And I, and I want us to think about this tonight because it's so important. Think this with me right quick. In 80 to 90 years, and potentially much, much sooner than that, not a single one of us in this room tonight is still going to be here on earth. Not a single one of us. If you want to prove me wrong in that too, I won't be here for you to prove it wrong too. And <laughs> I'm proud of that, honestly. Not a single one of us. And you see, the sad reality is, is that none of you will go through, or is that some of you, I'm sorry, some of you will go through this life chasing everything I just mentioned. Chasing every bit of it. And some of you are already currently doing so. Actively jumping from relationship to relationship, seeking any and all types of pleasure. And before I go down that line and ask, how's that going for you? I'm going to continue. Some of you are going to graduate college, hopefully all of us, right? And, and live your entire life following some sort of paper trail. Only to find out that in the end, no matter how much you are able to earn, as I hope it was a lot for you, right? How, no matter how much, all you're going to find out is that it wasn't enough. It didn't stop death. I could have told you, I did tell you that right here, I hope you remember, right? We chase these things so hard, so hard, and it's, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking because I know where it ends. I've experienced that myself. It's heartbreaking because I know a few of you in the room tonight, and I've, I've seen where that has led you. I see it in, in my family life. I've, I've seen it in, in those who I really care about the most, um, and I'm not up here to, to talk about them, but it's so heartbreaking how far some of us in this room are, are so willing to go to find out that you're going to die. And, and any bit of money, any bit of possessions that you did acquire, and man, I hope it was a lot, but you're, you're, it's not going with you, and it's not stopping anything. And you see, relationships, money, or, or even, even possessions, they're, they're not evil, but they are very, very terrible gods. Hear that tonight. I'm not up here telling you that, that money is evil. We need money, right? I'm not up here telling you that possessions are evil. We, we all need houses, right? I, I think that. But if that is all that we're going after, is that, if that's all that we're here for, they are very, very poor gods. And, and I, think, I think nature does a very good job of giving a depiction of the reality of the lifelong pursuit of these things and, and, and how we go after them in our pursuit of joy. And so I want, I want you guys to consider with me just for a moment this, this crazy concept of what we call a hangover. Right? I know that's pretty far out there, but a hangover, right? You drink, right? In order to have a hangover, you must drink, right? You drink to feel something, or maybe to not feel something. And every, as every single one of us knows that death awaits and that the morning is coming, we still, we still chase after these things, right? We still drink. We still consume. We, we still seek pleasure. We, we still crave 
And we do our best to numb the fact that whatever it is that we're chasing and seeking after is not the solution of the problem that we're running from. But it's the immediate pleasure, right? The immediate gratification that you feel with, with every sip and every glass and every purchase or every sexual encounter or, or every high. But in the end, the high comes down. The sex ends. The purchase becomes dated. The bottle runs out. And, and there's, there's no escaping the hangover that awaits. There's no escaping the morning. And, and the heartbreaking reality is, is that for some of us in this room tonight, the morning will not come until the day, that, until the day comes that you stand before God. When you stand judged for all the sins that you've committed by a perfect, a holy, and just God. And when you stand stripped away from all your possessions, all your money, all, all the pleasure, He will see you worshiping all of those other gods you held so highly in your life. Do we see that? Because if you do not know Christ as your Savior, if you have no true relationship with Him, then one day, and this is a promise made not by me, but from God Himself, one day you will be cut off from eternity. And if that's the case for you, then you have no real, real source of joy. But if you do not know Christ as your Savior tonight, and you, and you know that God is showing Himself to you, and you can... You know it. I beg you to please come and talk. I'm here. Both of our pastors of the branch are in the back corner right now. Please, I, I beg you guys, please come talk to us. Because as Paul says in Philippians 4, chapter 4, verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Father, Father, my heart breaks for those in the room tonight who do not know you. Lord, I pray that you show them how serious this is. You show them that apart from you, God, that they have no hope. They have no joy. But God, in that same thought, in that same moment of, of despair, of hopelessness, I pray, God, that you show them what your Son has done for them. That you can show them that you did that, God. You went on the cross. And it wasn't anything we earned, and it wasn't anything we could do to do it ourselves, God. You did that for us as a gift because you love us, God. And I pray that you make that known in their hearts tonight, Lord. That, that because of your Son, because of the gift which you so freely gave, God, we can have joy in you that surpasses any bit of circumstance that I can even think of right now. And I mean the tough ones, God. And so, Lord, I just beg you that tonight you call a son or a daughter home. And I pray this in your Holy Son's name, in Jesus Christ's holy name. Amen.
So something we do in FAM, and it's something that's really dear to us, is we break out in rows in the end. And tonight's no different. We're going to do that. I am going to ask that it be guys with guys and girls with girls. Um, but we, we, I'm going to throw up a question on the screen here, and it's something that I just want you guys to, to talk about with one another. And again, if this is new to you tonight, I, I do ask for your honesty with those around you, your honesty with me or the pastors in the back, um, as we want nothing more for you to know this. And so the question tonight is, where is your joy found? Where is your joy found? And so now I'm going to ask you guys to please break up, get in some groups, um, guys with guys, girls with girls, and I'll give us about 15, 20 or so minutes, and after we discuss this, we'll come back up and close the night out. But thank you guys.